Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to reintroduce to you now. Nate Palmer is a returning guest on our show. Be sure to check out our first interview with Nate on episode 160 of Boundless Body Radio. Nate Palmer is a fitness and nutrition expert, health coach, speaker, and writer. Nate believes that being in incredible shape gives a massive advantage in business, focus, and relationships. He also happens to be a dad, husband, and the number one best-selling author of The Million Dollar Body Method. He is also the founder of Passport Fitness. Nate helps business owners and entrepreneurs improve their physique, finances, and family time by using fitness as nutrition as force multipliers. Nate's work has been popularized in media outlets such as The Huffington Post, Testosterone Nation, Ask Men, Breaking Muscle, Stack Media, and Thrive Global. He is also the host of the Low Carb Hustle podcast, which has a mission to teach its listeners to get lean by burning body fat and improving energy and focus to live a long and healthy life. Nate Palmer, what an absolute honor it is to re-catch up with you and and invite you back to Balanced Body Radio. Casey, I'm so pumped to be here, man. This is going to be so fun. It's so great to catch up with you. You and I have very similar energy levels. And we talked about it last time. We both speak really, really fast. So apologies up front to the listener. <laughs> we are going to be talking really quickly because we're very excited about what we talk about. Listen, I don't, I'm not apologizing for that. All I know is that people are getting a lot more words per minute. And that sounds like a, that sounds like a win for them. More value. That's just more value <laughs> right there. I absolutely love that. Speaking of hustle, you are always on the hustle. You're always on the grind. Tell us uh, what you have new going on these days. So in March, I took over a podcast called the Low Carb Hustle Podcast, which was run by Danny, Danny Vega and Robert Sykes and Adam Shibley. And I've been just kind of putting out content there. We started off doing two episodes a week and now we're doing about three episodes a week with that, with that. And that's just been so much fun. So not only am I like, I think like kind of like on a personal note, I feel like it's been a lot of, a lot more fun, a lot more authentic for me to, to have this podcast and this platform, but also like on Instagram and some of like social medias and stuff, I've been doing the low carb game show. So I interview people on the street for a dollar and ask them like weird low carb questions and stuff. So Man, I've just been having like I've been having a blast, and I think that is the thing that I was kind of missing in my previous iterations of my business. Yeah, so interesting. I love the game show, by the way. I, I watch all the episodes that you do. So funny. <laughs> was that your idea? Yeah, I just well, not really. No, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Billy Eichner, Billy on the Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Okay, so I kind of stole it from him, but he would just go up with people and just ask them questions with a, with a microphone. But I love the dollar because it's. It's like, it makes people, people do stuff for money, but also it's not enough money to like do anything with. So it's this weird, like, <laughs> like I, I've interviewed people that I just know business talking to because I'm have a dollar in my hand. It's just really ridiculous. That's hilarious. I absolutely love that. Well, I definitely want to talk about the podcast with you. You've got some interesting concepts and topics that I want to deep dive into, but before we do, let's hear your personal story. You have a very unique and I would say traumatic introduction into an interest in health and fitness. Can you share with us your personal story? Yeah. So, um, when I was growing up, the reason I got into health and fitness anyways, was because I was just kind of a, I, uh, I was like just a low confidence, no real autonomy. I kind of, you know, with like a lot of us, I was trying to escape the pain of who that, who of not being who I wanted to be. Right. Um, and one of the reasons for that was that when I was growing up, I, um, someone broke into my house while I was there by myself. And I grabbed a steak knife out of the knife block, went and hit under my bed while someone pounded on the door of my bedroom. And I was like, well, I guess I die here. I didn't die this time. I can tell. But, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. 
but I thought like my idea was like, well, if I get stronger and bigger and I get enough neck tattoos, my beard is like intimidating enough. No one could ever mess with me ever again. And I feel like, I, you know, a lot of us are wounded in, in before we start our fitness and health journey, whether we are just no confidence, we don't like the way we look, we don't like the way we feel. We just are starting out of a like a fear-based response. So um, when, and then kind of like fast forwarding in high school, I was like starting to work out and stuff like that. And so this one girl that I really liked uh, came over to me and was like, hey, let me see your arms. And I was like, yeah, Christine, you can see these, you can see these pythons. Come on, <laughs> let me, let me show you. And then she turns to her friend. She goes, see, I told you my arms were bigger than his. Oof. I was like, oh, and I don't know if you've ever been a 14 year old male, but uh, that was devastating. Yeah. Crushing. So I was like, I, I felt like, okay, like the, I need to get in shape. I need to figure this out. So eventually I started you know, working out to the point where I like got out of college and got a job as a personal trainer just so that I could, I could work out more often. So I'm like, in, like inundated with the life. So I'm doing hit classes. I'm doing all, all these like personal training, these boot camps, all this stuff, try to everything. Then I'm doing the keto diet. I'm doing paleo. I'm doing intermittent fasting. I'm trying all the diets and nothing's really working for me. And so fast forward to like 2014, 2015, a magazine called um, Breaking Muscle approached me about writing an, an article for them. And I was like, sure, like, let's, that sounds good. Any, any sort of, you know, publicity is gonna be great for me. So I wrote this article and it was a little bit different than what I had written anything about. Cause they were like, what do we need to focus on energy? How do people have energy all day versus how do you get leaner? How do you lose weight? How do you build muscle? And I was like, okay, interesting. So I did a bunch of research and this, like the craziest thing that I found out was that this like this strategy of carb backloading was not only very effective for creating energy. And at the time I was working 14, 15 hour days as a personal trainer, you know, you get there at 6 AM, you work till 8 PM and you have that three hour block in the window, that trainer donut, you know? So I was just like struggling through the afternoon. But when I, when I took the, what I learned from this article and started applying that to my own life, I started feeling way better and getting better results in my own body as well. And I was like, okay, that like, that might be something to like to pay attention to. So a couple of years later, I'm talking to one of my buddies uh, in Arizona and he's starting a business. He's like got four kids. He's got one on the way. He's just got a lot on his plate. And he's like, I don't have time to work out. I'm drinking three or four monster energy drinks a day. Like, what can I do to have more energy? Cause my wife is noticing a big difference. Like I, like, I can't, I can't hang out with the kids. I had to spend 30 minutes watching sports center before I can even get involved with the family. So I was like, all right, try this out. Let's do this car backloading thing. Let's check this out. So Fast forward two months, he goes, oh my gosh, I'm feeling way better. My family's noticed a big difference. I get home, I have a ton of energy. I'm not drinking as much Monster. And, I was, and he, I'm like, cool, that sounds great. Like, what do you want to do for the workouts now? He's like, oh, by the way, I already lost 22 pounds wow. in two months. And I was like, okay, like without exercise, without really focusing on his diet and eating out five times per week because he was on the road all the time. I was like, we might be onto something here. So the more I've, more I've put people through this protocol and the more the more people I've had tested and tried and tweak it and stuff, the more I've seen that like, this is a, this is something that's very simplistic. It's a framework, not a diet and it's sustainable long-term. Cause I really believe that if you're not gonna be able to do something for 10 years, it's probably not super worth it to do it for 10 weeks. Yeah. And so now kind of my goal with the low carb hustle and a lot of the work that I'm doing with my clients is, is just helping them understand how to manipulate the, you know, like the levers and knobs in their own body. So that way they can have energy all day, lose fat on demand and feel really good while sustaining it for the rest of their life. Wow. 
Wow, that's interesting. I So when I got into the low-carbohydrate world, it was pretty easy for me to transition onto basically a zero-carbohydrate diet. It's easy for me to stay on carnivore. And so I get really um, myopic on that. I want people to kind of do the same thing. And I realize exactly what you're saying, that for a lot of people, that's not really very sustainable. And a lot of people can't do that as easy as I can. So before we get into your protocol and what you teach people, let's talk about the different energy sources in food. We know that we have three major macronutrients. Can you kind of talk about each one and how they're used inside the body and which ones are actually energy? Yeah. So I, I, I break this down into a really simplistic, like probably overly simplistic way, but I think of fats as being like low impact fuel. So that's fats are perfect for fueling podcasting, speaking, mental stuff, reading, writing, creating. That's like, a, it's like great for that sort of thing. If you're working outside all day, digging holes or running triathlons, there might not be the best energy source or the most efficient for you. That's what I think carbs are great for. Carbs are great high impact fuel, but they're really dictated like how much you're going to be able to use your carbohydrates is dictated by your activity level. So if you're always running, jogging, moving around all the time, you're going to need probably more carbs than someone else. But the, the fact is that we live in a time that we don't necessarily need to be moving all the time. We're not farmers. So we can really get away with having a lot more limited carbs or going zero carb like a carnivore, like you're talking about. So, and then um, protein, I don't necessarily even think of this as a, as a fuel source, more so of like um, recovery and, and rebuilding. So something we need every, all day, every day to rebuild our muscles, to recover from like the, the work we're putting in. And then protein is also really important as for, in terms of creating the enzymes for our, a lot of natural processes in our body. So it's incredibly important, but it's not necessarily like the energy source that, yeah. that carbohydrates or fats are. That's perfect. I, how did, how did I do there? I feel like, I mean, you, you know, this stuff, No, like, you did you great. <laughs> you did awesome. I explain it the same way. It's like protein is what you need to build things with. And it's part of your structure and it's very important. It's just not the best primary fuel source. You have to kind of fuel your body either with carbohydrates or fat. And, and maybe that would be a good segue into talking about why the standard American diet, why a normal typical diet out there fails. Can you tell us why the standard American diet is the worst for most people's health? Woo, yes, I would love to talk about this because I, I think this, like, I, I've been like, the more I've gotten in, it, gotten into like the low carb world, talk, talking to people who are deep into carnivore, deep into keto, because I was kind of a keto hater before, I'm not going to lie to you. But what I'm seeing more and more of is this, like the standard American diet is just packed full of processed foods, sugars, and seed oils. So like what, I think what we do in, in the, in the U S or the West is we take a bunch of ingredients and we turn them into other foods, right? Like what's in a muffin? Not much, not like not much in terms of ingredients, nothing healthy is in there, right? We're talking about a lot of fats, a lot of processed sugars, a lot of simple carbohydrates. And that's what most people are primarily eating. And so they, they eat a muffin or a pop tart or something for breakfast. And then they're surprised that they feel like absolute dog shit all day. Well, how, like, how else would you feel if you're going to spike your blood sugar, then it crashes on you three or four times during the day, you're never going to get ahead with that sort of, that sort of fuel source. And I think that just like, so I, I was, I had an amazing experience. I got to travel through South America with my wife in 2015. And what I love about South and Central America is that they take ingredients and cook ingredients and give it to you. So you eat ingredients all the time. So even if it's like higher carb, you're eating rice or potatoes or whatever else you're not eating muffins and breads and different things that have been just like the life completely processed out of them. And I think Casey, like going into the future, having a six pack is going to be more of a status symbol than having a nice watch or a nice car. I think we're going to see less, less abs and more nice cars and stuff like that moving in the future, because it is so, so difficult 
to for the average person to be able to ascertain between what's a healthy food versus what is processed garbage, especially since you can go pay for a label that says keto or whole 30 or, or organic on it. So these we have these predatory predatory practices within the food space where you know we're not necessarily seeing the full picture and it's making it harder and harder and harder for the average person to go to the store. And even if you are reading labels, you go to a label like a like a store, I saw something that said like keto cake mix, right? And I look at the back and it's got 40 grams of sugar in it. But somehow by adding chicory root extract to it, we can <laughs> delete that sugar. Like, give me a break. Like, so it's no wonder that people are getting fatter and sicker and worse off in their health because this shit is very difficult. And I'm a professional in this. And so to, to see these, the, like the way that the, like the food industry has taken advantage of people and see like obesity levels on the rise, pre-diabetes, diet, type two diabetes, just like completely spiking out of control. It's no wonder that some people are turning to carnivore or keto because it gives you these very specific guidelines of like, okay, do not eat processed foods. And that's probably one of the best things that people can do for their life. Yeah, I agree. If somebody follows any diet, as long as they're getting rid of some of the processed crap that they're eating, they would be healthier for sure. You could be vegan, you could be carnivore, anything in between. That's the biggest challenge though. You're right, is all that processed crap. I lived in Brazil for two years and you're absolutely right. Like Ooh. you eat rice and beans and chicken on the bone and people do not have endless resources. They eat very simply, but you really, that was, I guess for me, the first time in my life, I really appreciated simple meals with simple tastes, with a little bit of salt and it, it, it's totally delicious. You don't really labels down there you just eat that kind no. of normal food and it's amazing and and i love how you explained some of the processed food and the combination between the carbohydrates and the fat they're making it yes. into every single meal it's a combination of the two that seems to be very harmful is that correct i i 100 agree and so i i like i love frameworks i love thinking about things in terms of like how do we how do we make this easy to understand so one of my big frameworks on how do you decide what food you're going to eat is a does it have protein in it? You got to have protein. Every time you eat food, it should have protein in it. That's a simple rule that you can follow. It's going to keep you healthier than 90% of everybody else in the world. One of my clients just opened a vegan restaurant. He's like, come to the vegan restaurant. It's called Sin Muerte, which I love. But also I was like, I'm never going to go to your vegan restaurant. I will not order food that does not have protein in it. That does not have, that is not, I'm, I'm only going to consume animal flesh. Thanks for, thanks, but no thanks. Um, but I think that one of the, the other frameworks is avoid eating carbohydrates and fat in the same meal. And not to say don't sprinkle cheese on stuff, have a little olive oil there. But if you're having pizza, which is just cheese and bread, you're having lasagna, pasta and bread, or pasta and, and cheese, you know, like if you're having these sorts of things, bean burritos are one is the top four number, like the, the fourth most ordered food on DoorDash in 2022. Really? Yeah. I did that research the other day. Wow. Yeah. But all these foods have zero protein, have high carbs and high fats. And I think of carbs as kind of like an accelerant for your fats. So if you want to, if you want to build more muscle, you have carbohydrates and proteins, it accelerates that muscle gain process. If you want to have, if you want to bulk up your fat stores, have carbs and fats at the same time. It's going to accelerate because when we have, we know that when you have blood sugar rises, our insulin level rises and our insulin's like a key goes into our cells, opens the door for, for whatever we're shuttling into the cells. So if we can avoid having those high fat, high carb dishes together. Again, like it's just these little things that are going to separate us as time goes on. And as this shit gets harder and harder for, for normal people to do. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So how do you transition somebody? Let's say somebody's coming from a standard American diet. How do you transition somebody onto a low carbohydrate diet? And then how, how do you, uh, how do you do the, the carbohydrate backloading that you're talking about? Yeah. So I feel like this carbohydrate backloading is a really nice segue into even like more of a ketogenic or a, or a carnivore lifestyle. 
for most of the people that I talk to, they're really busy. They don't have a lot of expertise. I do think carnivore is an advanced diet. I don't think people should just jump right into it without, without like understanding how it all works, even though I like it. So I think this is an easy way to do it. So what, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to teach people, okay, what are carbohydrates? What are you, where are you finding them in? And how can we limit those for our breakfast? Just our first meal of the day. How do we have a high protein and a high fat breakfast? And what's crazy about this, Casey, is that when we start getting people to adopt this philosophy for breakfast, they feel way better. We don't have to do anything else. Then we get them with some water in them in the morning. We get them a high protein, high fat breakfast. And all of a sudden they're like, I got a lot of energy. I feel great. I'm like, you don't feel great. You feel freaking normal. This is how you're supposed to feel. Thank you. Nothing yeah. Like you felt, you feel like you have a low grade fever and it's like you're like flu symptoms all the time in your life because you eat like shit, you know, and we can just change that just a little bit. You get to start feeling normal again. You're like, oh my gosh, it's way better over here. So we get the buy-in because people under start understanding my energy's better. I feel better. My, I'm not having cravings all the time. I don't want to crawl under my desk and take a nap. So just that little bit of buy-in. And that's one of the reasons I think that I tend to go a little bit more hardcore with the first month of my program because I want people to get great results. And I want to keep that momentum going. A lot of people are like, okay, you having two sodas, let's just do one soda. I'm like, no, I want you to drop 10, 15 pounds in the first month. I want you to feel amazing. I want you to see some crazy results. So you just keep going. So once we get them there, then I just start trying to push lunch back a little farther and farther and farther, and then keep them having a high protein and then high vegetables for lunch. So something that's going to be satiating, it's going to keep them full. My favorite food for to like to put people on, especially new people to the program is chicken thighs and carrots, baby carrots. Cause you can eat a shit ton of those and you're, and you're feeling really good afterwards mm -hmm. and you're full. You're not hungry. You're like, well, like my energy feels stable. And then for dinner, I go, okay, great. You have client dinner. You have a family. Your kids want to eat PB and J's. Great. You can eat whatever carbohydrate you want for dinner, have some protein, have some vegetables with it. So I tell people sometimes Casey, like if you want to have, you know, like grilled shrimp, captain crunch, and then broccoli, like that's gross. That's but weird. like, do you like follow the framework? Mm. Yeah, that's so interesting. So do you find that people can get really successful even if they're having carbohydrates later in the day? They they get so much momentum from the breakfast and the lunch that they do okay results-wise? Yeah, and I think that like a lot of times, especially like one of the tenets of carb backloading is that as we go through the day and we burn out our glycogen stores and our muscles and our liver, you know, we get to the point where our body's burning more and more fat for fuel. And then we just like add the carbohydrates back in. So rather than the carbohydrates going towards fat stores, they're going towards replenishing our liver, like the gly liver glycogen and the muscle glycogen. So it's this kind of this nice balance where you get to have, you get to have your cake and eat it too, essentially. And like, yeah, you're probably not burning as much fat as if you just kind of completely cut out carbohydrates. But for the, for most people, that's not the reality. So if I can give them some, some intermediate step, they can always ascend when they're ready, but also they're, that's now the new standard. Mm. The other thing I like about carbohydrates in the evening is that it allows people like, you know, you have a Chipotle burrito and what do you want to do afterwards? I take a nap. I was going to ask right. you about sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So having, having your carbohydrates later in the evening, it helps you unwind. That's rest and digest for sure. So I think that's kind of more what we, what we want to do is kind of have that, like eat real lean, have a lot of like, I think of it as like a nutritional insurance policy throughout the day. If you're eating really light and then you have a bigger meal in the evening, potatoes, meat, vegetables, you're going to feel really good. You're going to sleep really well. And so I think it's, it's the proofs in the pudding because people start seeing like, man, this is not that hard and I feel really good. And Oh, look at my, my weight is going down too. 
Yeah. So if you hit them three, three different ways, they start seeing like, okay, I could, I could see how I could do this for the rest of my life. Mm. It does seem more maintainable for a majority of people out there to tell somebody to can be, to be completely absent from carbohydrate can be really challenging. And so just knowing that that might be like almost like a reward at the end of the day, I, yeah, that sounds reasonable. And it also sounds reasonable that you could keep that meal fairly low in carbohydrate, even though you're including it. What, what types of numbers do you see in that meal? Are people eating two or 300 you know, grams of carbohydrate to dinner, or is it still fairly low? It's still fairly low. Like I, like I still, I think of low carbs, anything under a hundred grams of carbs per yeah, day. I like that. So if, if you're having like pretty much like 10 or 12 grams of carbs throughout the, the whole beginning of the day, and I'm not counting vegetables either here. And then you're having 60, 70 grams at dinner. I'm not, I don't mind that at all. I think that like that you give yourself this nice, like uh, average throughout the rest of the day. And you know, if you want to have a little bit lower and just have like 30 grams of carbs or fo focus more on the vegetables or have hot, like more meat also fine, but you can kind of like weigh that. I don't have many people who are like eating four cups of rice though at night. Yeah. That would be extremely challenging. Does it matter what type of carbohydrate it is? Like, is there a difference between eating like, like you said, rice versus muffins versus potatoes? Does it really matter the type of carbohydrate you eat? So this is a good question. And like, I think from a, like a, a physiology perspective, I'm not super sure about that because I know that all carbohydrates break down into glucose and then turn into glycogen, right? I know that sweet potatoes are going to have a higher nutrient density than muffins, right? You're not going to be able to eat four baked potatoes, right? They're like one of those satiating carbs. But in terms of like a cellular level, what's happening inside your body, like micronutrients, phytonutrients, that stuff aside, I don't know if it makes a big difference. It does make a difference in terms of satiety and how full you're going to be. It does make a difference in terms of the nutrient density. But at the end of the day, like I tell people, if you want to have pasta a couple nights a week, great. If you want to have like, if there's a dessert that you just absolutely love, take your rice out, take your carbs out and eat that instead. So just give some flexibility to that. Um, obviously, I don't want them to eat dessert every single night for the rest of their life, <laughs> you know, but I think that some people are going to eat dessert. And if we could give them a framework that's going to allow them to do that, A, guilt-free, and B, without sabotaging their progress, I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah. And really important to point out that just because you said include carbohydrates in dinner, that's not the only thing that you're eating. You still need to focus on protein, for example, and that can help with that blood sugar curve that you were talking about earlier. It helps blunt that. Same with fat. It does the same thing when you're including that in the same meal. Absolutely. And I, but I think also you just have to include protein in every meal. Otherwise don't eat that meal. So if you go to a place and they're like, we only have rice and beans, you're like, all right, I guess I'm fasting today. Yeah, you know, I think that's, you have to have that mentality and you have to be a little bit savage about it right now because everything is so hard. Like we talked about earlier, it's so hard to get that high quality nutrition all the time. So if you, if you're, if you're in a place where they only have these things and you don't have any protein, don't eat don't eat, make it like, make that decision now. So when you get there, you're not tempted. Interesting. Do you, do you treat men and women very differently or do you give both the same recommendations? I give them both about the same recommendations. Obviously everybody, we talk a little, like, you know, everyone has different like things that are going on, business stuff, family stuff. So it, it varies on an individual level, but I don't really treat men and men or women differently. Okay. About the same there. What about somebody who is dealing with a chronic disease? So let's say somebody already has type two diabetes. They're already obese. Is that somebody you're going to try to be a little bit more strict with as far as, um, you know, the, the amount of carbohydrates they're having in a meal, or do you find that they can be successful as well? So, uh, so people with like, I do not really work with people who have type one diabetes. 
Um, I've worked with people with type two before, but type one, because they need to manage their blood sugars so much. And sometimes they do need to have those carbohydrates earlier in the day. That's not necessarily my forte. So with the type two though, I, we're just keeping an eye at like most of them are having to have that consistent glucose, constant glucose monitor anyways. So we can see if their blood sugar is dipping too much and add some stuff in. But for the most part, it's really just like, can we keep our carbs low while still keeping your blood sugar stable? Yeah. So I'm going to have, I'm going to push them to having a little bit lower carb even than, than most people. So like, rather than having like rice at the end of the night, I'll be like, Oh, let's have like, let's do one or two nights where we do cauliflower rice or something like that. I think that's, that can be helpful. But again, what's their mentality like? What are they willing to give up? What are they willing to sacrifice? Because a lot of times, like if I can get like someone who's like, I got a client right now who's type two diabetic. And um, our big thing is, can we get rid of eating chips at every, every dinner? And so like, if if we can get rid of the chips, I was like, eat the rice, eat the potatoes. I don't care. We had to focus on the chips and the soda first. So yeah, gotcha. Well, I did want to talk to you about mentality and mindset. I think that's something that we kind of touched on last time, but I definitely wanted to deep dive with you today. Is there anything else I'm missing out on the nutrition piece of carbohydrate backloading? No, I mean, I, I would like you know, just to reinforce the, the framework. I would say carbs and or fats and protein for breakfast, proteins and vegetables for lunch, carbs, proteins and vegetables for dinner. And the, the farther apart you can have your breakfast and lunch, I think the better off you are. Wow. Yeah. So that's really easy. Once you are eating that breakfast, that's higher protein and higher fat. It will be much easier for you to, like you said, have better energy. And all of a sudden, like uh, eliminating snacking would be very, very simple. People that are hungry at 9am, 10am, 11am. I'm sure you notice all the time. They're just not that hungry anymore. Yeah. Because I think if you're, if your blood sugar is always spiking and dropping, spiking and dropping, then you start getting those hunger signals, even though you're like, didn't I just eat? I guess I'll have half a, half of a donut. You know? Yeah. Interesting. So with your clients, going back to mindset, tell me some things that you try to build with your clients to help them be successful with whatever plan they want to execute. Well, so I read that Jocko Willink book a while back. Um, like that's there where he talks a lot about like discipline transcending motivation. He's like, motivation is fleeting. Discipline is where you actually like get the results that you're looking for. And that's where most of us should be at. But I think we, I've like what I've learned over the last year or so is that even above discipline, identity is king. We're never going to act outside of our, our own identity and not for a long period of time, especially. So I had a, I had a consult with a guy and he kind of came out and was like, I am the funny fat guy. That's who I am. So when I go out to eat, everyone gives me their leftovers. I finish the plates. It's funny. I laugh like everything. Everyone thinks it's funny that I'm fat. That's who I am. And I felt really bad because like the more we talked, the more it was clear that he wasn't willing to give that up in pursuit of being the funny fit guy or whatever, like, you know, whatever it is, because his identity has been so tied up in that for decades. And even if he got results or he dropped some weight or whatever, he was always going to regress back to his previous spot without the change in the identity, because we will never act outside of our identity for a long period of time. So that's got me thinking about like, how do we change our identity or like with and who we believe we are? Because I think that is the most important thing when it comes to this. I've seen a lot of people get great results and then promptly rebound. I had a client ask me one time, she was doing amazing. I thought she was like the rock star client. I was like, man, tell me like, what, like, how are you doing all this stuff? It's so good. And she came to me the next, like one of our sessions and was like, when do I get to go back to eating normally? And at the time I was, I was new to personal training. I was like, I don't know. When do you get to go back to eating normally? And I was just like, like she like took like took me by surprise with that question. 
but her mentality, her identity didn't change. She was in a, she was in a six week, 12 week transformation timeline, like, like, you know, like motivation, discipline, just got it white knuckling her way to success, but she hadn't changed the identity. And guess what? She gained the weight back after she lost it. Even though she did so amazing, was so on point. She just didn't change who she thought she was. So it got me really thinking like, how do we help people shift their identity to this? And I think one of those things is like really depending on your morning routine. Every day, I think you have to do three things. And one of those things is you have to cast a vote for the person you're becoming. So a lot of people ask me about supplements and like what I think about this supplement or that supplement. And for the most part, I love supplements because I think when you take a supplement, you reinforce to yourself, I am a healthy person. This is something that is going to further my further my health goals. This is going to make me more healthy, more resilient, stronger, whatever else it is. And the more little wins we can get in that vein where we're stacking up these, okay, I, I took this, I went for a walk, you know, I, I only drank water, I ate my protein fat bre breakfast, I got a workout in, and we start stacking these little wins over and over and over again. We keep casting these votes for who we are and who we want to be. Yeah. So I think that is one of the keys here. Uh, in terms of changing your identity, changing your mindset long-term is those little wins like on the pursuit of that big transformation. Mm. Wow. And it's all about casting those votes every single day and doing it consistently. And, and you notice over time, people's identities of who they think they are actually shifts. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Especially if you can get people to understand that the, the victory is not hitting the goal. The victory is all these tiny little milestones that you, you go through along the way. And when you can start to see that and celebrate those, you start to be like, okay, I am a healthy person. I am a fit person. I will not miss my water in the morning. I am only going to eat protein when I go out to eat. And you start to train yourself. And I think you can reinforce this too. Like you ever, like you ever argue with someone who uh, like you say something and then it just, you see them dig in their heels and they go and they become more of what they already were. Yeah. And your argument is like, like has no bearing, even if you're right. Yeah, totally. So if we can get people to adopt that mentality with their health and fitness, where they go out and someone's like, Hey, have this donut. And they're like, no, I will not have a donut. That's when like, that's when I start seeing those light bulb moments. So we can get people to really take autonomy, take control and, and be okay. Kind of like being a bit um, like aggressive and countercultural with, with like regard to their nutrition, setting those strong boundaries. I think that's when people start really taking ownership of that, that shift in identity. What are some other ways that we can vote on ourselves? What are, you, you talked about going on a walk or drinking water. What are some of your favorite easy things that people can do to start to build that identity? So I have a, I have a five-step morning routine. Um, I know everyone's got a morning routine, but mine is like really, really like, I try to think of it as high ROI, low time requirement. So basically I, so step one is you do one minute of explosive exercise. So 60 seconds of jumping jacks or shadow boxing or something like that, just to get your blood moving, get, get rolling in the morning. Okay. That's number one. Then we're gonna have two glasses of water. You can throw some lemon in there, some apple cider vinegar. It doesn't matter really, but I think the more you put in there into it, the more you feel like I'm controlling, I'm owning this. Then we're going to do um, three. We're going to write down our three critical tasks for the day. So whether that's like, I need to submit a proposal or hit the gym or pick the kids up from daycare, writing those things down, I think is a, is a great way to reinforce like, Hey, here's the, here's the steps that are going to get me the win for the day. Uh, four, I like to fortify your gratitude. So again, just, just putting yourself in a great mindset. So whoever you're thinking about, whoever you're like, man, I really appreciate this person. Send them a text, shoot them a voice note. Or I use a uh, platform called send out cards. So I'll try to drop something in the mail to someone and be like, Hey, appreciate you. Just think about you. 
And then five to 10 deep breaths. So one, two, three, four, five on that. And if you can do that every single day in the morning in your first like 10 minutes of being awake, you really, A, set yourself up in a position to feel great and have a ton of energy. But you've also now cast five different votes for like, I am that dude. I am the person that I want that I that I want to be. I'm becoming him more every single day. Yeah. No, I love that. How how challenging is it for you and your clients to pick three things to do in a certain day? I think you and I talked last time about our task list that we always have. It always has way too many tasks. How, what can we do to better prioritize? Exactly. A <laughs> big old list. What else can we do to prioritize three things that we can do every single day and have that help us feel like we were successful? I think also a lot of looking back on what are the previous things that I've done that have made me feel successful. So for me, one of those things is probably going to be my workout or my movement. So with like, and I don't think it has to be always three, three to five is probably pretty good for most of us. But just, just even like when you have a list like this, you'll notice that I like, I've started some of the things on the side. Those are the things that were the most important for me to get done. So when I go back and I have my to-do list, my kind of global thing, I'll go get, okay, I'm going to get this done tomorrow. I'm going to get this done tomorrow. I'm going to get this done tomorrow. Those things, if I do those things, I'm going to feel very successful. So I think just like applying a critical eye to them and being like, all right, if, if I, if I accomplished X, Y, and Z, I would feel really good. I'd feel very accomplished. I wouldn't be at my, at my house being like watching TV with my kids or whatever and be like, oh, I got to text this person back. I got to, oh, I got to send this email. You know, like, I think a lot of the times that you, like you have a hard time living in the moment because we have those things on our mind. So that three, three tasks is just a way of like putting them on paper and being really structured with it. Yeah. I think all of these strategies really, for me, help me kind of frame, um, I guess, expectations for my clients, understanding that like, if you got to your goal today, you probably wouldn't feel any different. You think you're going to be way happier being 50 pounds less, but you probably won't. You need to go through this process. I think anybody who's trained for that end goal, that race, the competition, whatever, you realize that the competition itself is such a small part of what you're doing. It's there and gone before you know it you all the value of training for something was was those little things that you did every single day to get you to that end goal the end goal wasn't the important thing it was the process and i think that's all of these strategies help me understand that like you're you're framing this for your clients in a way that they're going to appreciate that process so much better and then actually enjoy the end result a lot more because of that yeah absolutely and so like so much so much so because like what you're talking about like these daily daily habits I talk in my book, The Million Dollar Body Method, about what I call the seven daily investments. So it, it is a lot of the same things we already talked about. So it's got the, bre- the protein fat breakfast, protein vegetable lunch, protein carbon, iron veg for dinner. So those are three of the seven. Then we have the high investment, like the, the morning routine with the 60 seconds of exercise and 32 ounces of water. Then we have write down your three critical tasks for the day, drink a gallon of water, and then train or move for 20 plus minutes per day. So those seven things I think everyone should do on a daily basis. And then I think everyone should fast for 24 to 48 hours weekly, depending on where you're at, what your goals are. And I love this because it gives you this very structured approach to, did you succeed or not? It's binary. It's not about like, how do you feel that you did? Did you check this box or did you not check the box? Out of, out of 50 possible points on a weekly basis, how'd you do? You know, and so now we have, now we have this numerical value we can ascribe to this so we can see very clearly, okay, Hey, I missed my gallon of water every single day this week. Okay. What do we need to fix that? So it's like all these, just little activities. And I think that like, I'm not a huge fan of 75 hard for weight loss, but I love the program that Andy Frisella has built because it's, it's not about like 
It's not about, oh, I did pretty good. It's like, did you do it or did you not do it? Those are your only two options. Yeah. And it's very clear. And I think he's done an amazing job being very clear about here are the expectations. Did you do them or did you not do them? And if we can get like that in our daily lives and like whether you take one of my daily investments or all seven or whatever else, it doesn't matter, but pick the ones that are going to serve you the most in your life and then make a checklist where you do that on a regular basis. Yeah. No, I love that. That's very objective. You've been in the personal industry, personal training industry, excuse me, for a long time. How has your thinking around exercise and movement evolved in that time? So I used to be, I don't want to say the world's worst personal trainer, but uh, <laughs> I, I used to be a bit of a, of a, like a slave driver. And I thought the my, my initial thought on workouts, cause I kind of came up in like the CrossFit metabolic conditioning. I thought that was like the peak. You want to be fit. You gonna be able to push a sled, do 10 burpees, 15 thrusters, 10 pull-ups, push the sled back, Ugh, you know? So I was beating the shit out of my clients. I was just putting them down. And I was like, that's a good workout. Right. And they're like, Oh God, kill me. <laughs> so um, I don't do that anymore. Cause I've realized that if you want to make it like a big change in your like your fitness level drop fat, it doesn't come to the gym. You don't have to come to the gym and just destroy yourself on a daily basis. It's more about the consistent effort in, on your nutrition and then doing stuff in the gym that is going to actually build the muscle that's going to change your physique. So my workouts have gotten way slower, cramming way less stuff in. Um, and I think that that has been helpful for getting people results longer term, keeping them with me because they don't feel like they're suffering every single time they go work out. And then also keeping people injury free because doing stuff like that as fast as possible for EMOMs or whatever else was, you know, hurting people's shoulders and necks and stuff like that. So it took me a minute to realize that. And that's been a, that's been a big change for me I think, in the last yeah, five years. I think the same for me in the last five years, after training for 15 years, my priority level for injury prevention has gotten so much higher because you're right. If you're hurting your people in the gym and they're losing consistency, they're not going to get great results. They're not going to continue to hire you because they're going to be out for so long. And it's way more likely that somebody's going to go way off, not only their movement plan, but their eating plan and, and cause themselves to be in a way worse spot down the road. Yeah, I think, I think you're hundred percent right. Especially with online coaching, injury prevention is the first possible thing. So I love exercises where there is like a self limiter in them. Like, okay, you do a lunge. Your knee touches the back, the ground, you stand back up. You do a box squat, your butt touches the, the bench, you stand back up. You do things like that where there's, you're basically eliminating the like one or two aspects of stability or like complexity of the movement so that your clients can feel successful. And even if they're not doing it with 100% great form, they're still not going to get injured. So I love those, those types of exercises. And I think that's very crucial for a lot of people, especially online coaches when writing programs for their clients. Yeah. Do you use more machines than you used to use? Way more. Yeah. yeah. Great for, question. For that reason. Yep. A lot of cables, a lot of machines, a lot of dumbbells. I rarely program barbell exercises anymore. Yeah. And previously I was like the big three squat. Everyone's got a squat deadlift and bench press. I haven't programmed a bench press exercise for clients in like two or three years wow. just because it's just hard for people with their shoulders. They feel like, but with a dumbbell, it's self-limiting. You have to go lighter weights. You have to be able to control them, pick them back up, you know? So that's a, like, that's a, a great example of something that I feel like has been a big change for me, but has been very positive for my clients seeing good results. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I have such a high priority on, on that kind of style of lifting. What are your favorite exercises that you find in most everybody's program? I know that's a very general question. Everybody's going to be unique, but there are, I think, certain patterns and certain movements that I like to see in a lot of my clients' programs. What, what are some of those moves for you? 
I wish I could just pull up a couple of my clients right now and, and ask them that question because they'd be like, <laughs> oh my God, Bulgarian split squats. <laughs> Bulgarian split squats make an appearance in every single person's program. I, I And I don't care. Everyone gets it because they're the hardest exercise. You don't like they train balance, coordination, glute strength, flexibility. They're just amazing. Plus you don't need to use a ton of weight to get a great result. So I think they're way better than squats for most people. Um, everyone's going to get some sort of pull down variation. I'm, I've been obsessed with single arm pull downs recently. I just think they're, they're great for building the lats. And then, um, a lot of, a lot of people are going to get some sort of lateral raise or Y raise. And not because I think that's like the greatest exercise of all time, but I think that people, when they start seeing a little bit of definition in their shoulders, they look a little bit broader. You add a half inch to the shoulders. It looks like now your waist is a half inch thinner. So it'll just a little Mm. bit of like kind of Hollywood muscle style. So you, you get that, you start feeling good again, you drive that momentum. So I'm a big fan of lats, triceps, and shoulders for that reason. How do we make people look more leaner and more muscular um, faster? Yeah, no, I love that. And as I've asked you about exercise and movement, we have been talking specifically about strength training. We haven't really talked at all about cardiovascular training. How how has your thinking around cardiovascular exercise, the way that most people would think of it when they go to a gym, how has that evolved in the 15 years you've been a trainer? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's like a little bit, a little bit different, but I look back on some of my old articles uh, that I wrote in like 2011 and stuff. I cringe a lot. Cause I'm like, cardio, no one needs that. It's the worst. I'm like, all right, pump the brakes, Skippy. Like you, you're 22. You don't need to be writing this stuff. So, um, but I do a lot more cardio personally, and I program a lot more cardio. And the reason for that is twofold. Not, I don't think that cardio is necessarily like you need to do cardio if you want to lose fat. I don't, I don't think that's the case. But I do think that, you know, getting getting some extra cardio in in ter- terms of walks or my absolute favorite style of cardio right now is called 30, 15, 3. It's 30 minutes on an incline, tr- 15 incline treadmill at a three speed. And once people can do that without holding on, then we add a weight vest on. And it's this just this march uphill. So it's great for hiking. It's great for that posterior chain, hamstrings and glutes, calves. Um, it's it's more recovery than like the stair mill or running because you're not getting that, like that pounding, that impact. Um, and it's just, it's just a, you just sweat and you feel really good and you're breathing hard. And it's kind of pushing that out, like out of that zone two, zone three cardio. Like I just love it so much. Um, so I like cardio right now because I like the recovery aspect you can bring with, with it. And I like the, like kind of the mental side of things. And I like the cardiovascular health side. You know, I think especially as we age, we need more and more of that anyway. So as a 22-year-old personal trainer, I think I was a bit short-sighted in saying, no one needs to do cardio ever. I don't think that makes any sense. So I definitely shifted more into that. And then I'll say this too, is when I'm when someone is like, I am stuck, I'm plateaued, I'm not losing weight, what's going on? Before I had them track all their calories, because a lot of my people don't like to do that, it's just kind of arduous for them. I will always adjust their, I would see like how much 30, 15, three, or how much cardio are you getting? How many, how many fasts are you doing per week? And then what's your score out of 50? So I'll check in on those three three aspects. Because if, if we can, you're like, oh man, I need to lose more fat. We can just turn up the, the cardio slightly, turn up your fast slightly, and then make sure you're hitting 40 plus on your out of your 50. Okay, you're probably gonna be at a pretty good place. Still not working? Let's uh, let's check your nutrition for a couple of weeks. Still not working? Let's check your blood work. 
So that's kind of my, like, that's kind of my, my mental checklist when, when people get, get stuck, get plateaued. Yeah. I like that. I think that goes in the right priority order as well. You're worrying about the things that are more simple to change. And, and yeah, if we need to check blood work, let's do that down the road, but we don't need to start with that. I, I really appreciate that. Is there any way that you're measuring intensity when people are doing cardiovascular exercise? Are there any tips and tricks that you tell your people to like stay inside a certain heart rate zone or a certain like, you know, scale of one to 10 for difficulty or intensity or something they're looking for? breathing? How do you coach that? Um, that's a great question. I probably have some room to improve on that aspect because I'm not really giving people like an RPE or having them do like, like stay within a zone, uh, like a specific cardio zone. Basically like that 30, 15, three is kind of like the standard for me. So the goal is that women can do 30, 30 minutes on that 15 incline three speed with a 20 pound weight vest on. Like that's, that's the goal. Men can do it with a 30 pound weight vest you know, and if we can get to that point, then you're going to be doing great. You're going to be feeling really good. Your cardio is going to be on point. You're going to be really working at it. Okay. But like, you can't do that right now. Well, can you do it without a weight vest? Okay. Not right. Not yet. All right. Let's back it up. Then can we do 12, two and a half for 30 minutes? All right, great. Let's start there and then build up. So I'm always trying to push people to that kind of like upper edge of zone three cardio. Even if I'm not telling them, Hey, look at, look for that 70% of your heart rate, which is 220 minus your age. You know, like I'm not giving them those types of metrics. But if they're like, I'm suffering, I can't do it. I'm dying. We, I'll back them off a little bit. Yeah, so. I see. Wow. And those weight vests are legit, dude. <laughs> I was training for a backpacking trip earlier this year. And one of my clients has a weight vest and he had a 50 pound pack. He was like, Hey, do you want to wear this? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll check it out. I'm sure. It'll be fine. That was a lot. Those things are crazy hard. <laughs> I would, I did a 45 for a while, but I, I found that with a 45, it would hurt my neck and I get all like tweaked. So I like that kind of like that 15 to 30 pound range. You can wear those a little bit longer. You can do more with them and you don't feel like they're like all like in your business. Yeah. Wow. It, I, I found that it was really challenging to continue to breathe mindfully and do nasal yeah. breathing while you're practicing that. It almost feels without, a little bit smothering. Yeah. Yeah. Without like the shoulder breathing. Yeah. Yep. yep totally. Uh, but like, man, just even walking around, you really feel your core too. Totally. Yeah, totally. That was crazy. Wow. Okay. Awesome. So we've covered, we've covered nutrition. We've covered exercise. What are some of your other favorite lifestyle hacks to help people get as healthy as they want to be and have as much energy as they want? Well, I'm not a big fan of meal prepping and like having a bunch of little Tupperwares in the fridge, but I'm a huge fan of batch prepping. And by that mean, I mean, go cook a bunch of chicken or ground beef or something like that. And so you have it in the fridge so you can take this meat and turn it into a meal, right? We talked about protein, right? So having protein on hand, like my wife always laughs at me because I'll have, I'll cook like two or three pounds of ground beef. And then when we have like salad or chili or whatever else, I'm like ground beef in the thing, put it, just like putting it on everything else. So I love having, having that type of food around, having a high protein option around where you can just uh, I guess make tacos now, uh, we're going to put this on something, you know, like, and you can just have a very easy, simple option for lunch or for dinner, especially when you have kids and you're like, I don't know, we didn't have anything. Let's go get a pizza. No, like just having something in the fridge just makes it so much easier. So if you can have batch prep your protein, and then you can go to Costco or something like that and grab like the stir fry veggies or like, um, like the, uh, fajita vegetables or whatever else, uh, Trader Joe's does a good job of this as well. And so now you have batch prep protein, and you have like easy to heat vegetables, you're, you're making it a lot easier on yourself. Cause I think that the, the biggest thing about people don't not cooking at home is they just haven't prepped. They only have, they only have like snack foods and they don't have anything real. 
Yeah. No, I love that answer. I think that's a really great way to do that. I always try to have at least two or maybe three protein options. I I feel like I'm doing pretty good if I have a beef option and a chicken option. And then you're right. It's so versatile. You're just making it so much easier on yourself because you can take either one of those, throw them in a skillet with a little bit of a fat and and heat it up and have whatever other things you want with that. It just makes it a lot easier. Do you find that it's easier for you to help feed not only, you know, your wife the same way, but also the kiddos that way? Absolutely. My kids are great too. They're pretty good eaters. And we have some stuff in there for them. Like, you know, we'll give them like a cheese or a yogurt or whatever else. But like what, what I like to do is like, okay, tonight what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook like 25, 30 chicken thighs. So, and then tonight we're just going to have baked potato and chicken thighs. Okay. And then now I'll have like, you know, 15 leftover or whatever. So tomorrow I'm going to chop all those up and I'm going to do tacos with them. And then whatever I have left on Wednesday night, I'll just turn that into fried rice. Perfect. So like kind of just, just, just putting it into new things. So now I've cooked, I like, I'll cook for like 40 minutes tonight, but then t- tomorrow night, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, I'm only going to cook for 10, 12 minutes. Yeah. So much easier. I love that. That's yeah, it's gotta be easy. Gotta it's be gotta easy. be easy. Otherwise people aren't going to do it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And getting stuck in the minutia of exactly what the best diet is or how many grams of carbohydrates something is going to be like, people are really struggling and suffering out there. It's hard enough just not to grub hub every single meal that you have and eat tons of processed stuff. So yeah, I, I, again, getting mixed up and like, is this grass fed finished? Is this organic? Whatever. It's like, no, just get a good protein source, make it easy on yourself, make it taste good. If that means have a little bit of a low carbohydrate condiment or a marinade, or something like that. You're just making it easy on yourself. And that's going to be so much better for most people out there who, again, are probably eating out most of their meals anyway. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times us as fitness professionals, we can get in the weeds so much about like, oh, keto versus carnivore and like net carbs versus total carbs and stuff like that, which doesn't necessarily serve 90% of the population who is like, well, my, well, my pop tarts that said they had whole grains in them, and you're exactly. like, Ugh. yeah, exactly. If you were to walk into any break room of any office building in the country, you would realize how bad people have it out there and how difficult it is for people. So yeah, making yes. and simple steps is awesome. And we as trainers and stuff, we're just living in this fantasy world where everyone's got like, you know, just carrots and broccoli to dip, but like upstairs where I'm at right now, the whole fridge filled with Pepsis and Cokes and stuff like that, all this high sugar stuff. So when I see someone walk down, I'm a little bit of a douche about it, but I'll go and I'll pull my element electrolyte packet out and I go, I will trade you right now for that. Nice. I try to get some people some electrolytes. And yes, yeah, so I was talking on my podcast. I think this it came out, uh, yeah, one like recently, but uh, the, the guy who I was co-hosting with was like, like, well, what happens if someone goes to their, their office? There's like, there's donuts. I'd be like, throw that shit out. He's like, you can't just do that in office. <laughs> but I was like, well, why not? He's like, well, that's not, that's not how people behave. I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> you would throw them away. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> I'd, I'd at least attempt to make everyone feel uh, a little bit guilty if they were, if they were going to eat them. Exactly. Oh, that's great. You did <laughs> mention, there look. <laughs> exactly. You did mention the podcast, low carb hustle podcast. This was not your original podcast. A very interesting scenario where you stepped in to take over the show and continue hosting it. Can you tell us a little bit of the story of the low carb hustle podcast and what that was like to step in for some pretty, <laughs> pretty legendary low carbohydrate names? <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was really fun because, you know, Robert Sykes is the keto savage. Danny Vega is huge in the carnivore space. Adam Shibley started his own podcasting. It's called the podcasting business school. So he's a legend too. Um, and these guys are all really funny too. So they're funny, they're smart. And there was always three of them on the show. So when I came in and I was like, Hey guys, it's Nate Palmer. And everyone's like, who? <laughs> 
And I felt like for a minute, I felt like real imposter syndrome. And I was like, I don't like, I don't know if people are going to like me, if people are not going to like me. So I just kind of had to make the, like, make the call myself. That was like, I'm going to say what I need to say. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fun. I'm going to have a great time personally. And if you like me and you want to come along for the ride, I would love that. And if you don't like me, you do not vibe with me. Also, no problem. So I kind of had to make that distinction because I thought like going into something new like this with kind of these substitute teacher, like, what does, does your, does your normal teacher say this? You know, and they're like, yeah, we say, I say that all the time. Um, it was not, it was going to be another like instance of me getting in my own head or trying to be something I'm not because I'm not Robert Sykes. I'm not the keto savage, you know? And so try to pretend like I was, uh, wasn't going to serve any, any of us. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it was about like trying to find my own voice and, and have a really good time. And one of the things I like to do is, um, I did stand up comedy here, like a couple of years ago. So I still try to write comedy occasionally. And uh, I don't go to stand up like, sh like shows or do like open mics because it's always at like 8 PM. And I'm like, that's bedtime. Bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I try to just like, that's my outlet for that is I'll try to open up with like a, with a, a joke or two that I've been working on. So it's just been so fun for me and I've gotten some good, good feedback. Also gotten some really rude feedback, but you know, it is what it is. I've had people tell me recently, they hate my voice. I've had people tell me that our, our warm up music sucks and is way too tacky. And it's like, well, don't listen. Like this is free. I'm not, I don't put any sponsors on this at all. Like <laughs> you hate my voice yeah. then don't listen, like listen to another yeah, podcast. I, I guess I'm not going to change my voice. Yeah. Right. Hold on. Is is this better for you? Do you prefer it like this? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so ridiculous. So that would be very challenging to know that you have a different personality. You've got a different message to share than the people who came and started the podcast previous to you. So in what ways did you want to keep some consistency with the show, but also what individual and unique things did you want to bring to the show? So I wanted to, I wanted to bring in a little bit more of like coaching style episodes. So every Friday I release either a coaching or a, a what I call ask the trainer. Someone will send in a, a question that I'll just go over it like 10, 15 minute, like Q and a style episodes. So I've been really liking that because it's actually given me a chance to interact with listeners and get feedback and hear from people, which is really fun to like, to engage with the audience. And I'm really blessed to have an audience that listens to me. So that's been a big thing. Um, and then the other thing that I've been trying to keep, like, keep with me from the, the podcast is talking more about some of those real, real low carb diets, talking about keto, talking about carnivore, interviewing some of like the top minds in those spaces. So had, um, I mean, had Robert Sykes on early and he challenged me to go keto for 30 days. So I did bought a bunch of keto bricks, went, did my blood work before and after I, I released an episode kind of like the 30 day keto challenge. So like, like tested all these things. Then we had Dr. Sarah Zaldivar on. She's a like She's huge great. in the carnivore space. Yeah. yeah. Super smart professor at Miami Dade. Um, so these are people I, I wouldn't have necessarily reached out to in previous iterations of the show, but like, I know that's, that's still an important aspect and to give people kind of the gamut between like um, carb backloading, which is still low carb, but it's kind of on the, on the, like the fence there to like zero carb carnivore straight up, like, like primal diets and giving people like information across that so they can make their own decisions. Cause I do think that the listener base of low carb hustle 
is a bit more elevated than just your general people who are eating the standard American diet. Yeah, gotcha. Well, I'm so glad you brought up the coaching episodes. I find those absolutely fascinating. And anybody can go and listen to your show to understand what a coaching session is actually like with some of us. I think a lot of people would think that you're gonna do a call with us, we're gonna tell you exactly what to do, do A, B, C, D, E, all of these things, and then come back a month later when you've gotten really good results. Coaching is a lot more like we're listening to our clients and offering suggestions and how having that person decide what they even want to do. I never tell somebody what to do. I'll give somebody some ideas. And it's so clear and concise when you're doing that and putting those episodes out there. I think they're very helpful. I love that idea. Thank you. Yeah. And I I also love what you just said about we're asking questions, we're listening, and we're helping people get dialed in on what what they're actually willing to commit to. Because there's so often like, I got to tell people all the time, I don't care if you eat donuts. I don't care what you do. It doesn't matter. But once you commit to me, hey, I want to drop weight. I want to be healthier. I want to live longer. Then it becomes my business. And I will be a dick about it if I see you eating donuts. Like, why are you having that? You committed to doing this. Now, why are you doing the opposite? How does that, how does that serve your mission? So like, but, but you can't hold someone accountable for something that they are not willing to commit to. So finding that, like finding that commitment and then and being like, I don't care what it is figure out what, what you need and what you want. And then we will problem solve. I think so much of coaching, especially online is problem solving. Yeah. You got you got lunch meetings all the time. You're in your car all the time. How can we fix that? How can we find five meals that work for you? How do we get your protein shake a little bit later? And then just like finding these little things tweaking and then the feeling like, okay, it's been a week. How did that, how did that change go? How are you doing? And I think that is, that's the critical task. It's not just like, it's not a top down relationship. It's more, it's not a judgment relationship. It's a witness. I'm here to witness you. You said this and I witnessed you follow through or not follow through. And then I'll ask you about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And I even said that we're providing suggestions and yes, we are giving you ideas, but it's so more often than not that I would say that it's really just the client that needs that sounding board. They will come up with their own suggestions and decide to follow those things. It's like, I didn't even tell you what to do. You suggested it for yourself and came up with some really good ideas. I mean, we're not coming up with anything new, Casey. Like, we're not like, we're not these, like these mavens of nutrition who have these insane ideas that no one's ever heard before. So much of what our clients need from us is not learning something new. It's remembering something true. That is a really good point. We're really just helping you remember things that you already knew. Um, and I think that's a wonderful approach. And to be able to hear that on your show is amazing. Now, are these just regular listeners that you are then doing a coaching session for? How are you finding these people? Yeah. So like anyone can go like book a book a time. So they just go to free nutrition audit.com. I have these like 15, 20 minute segments. So you can just book a time or I'll record them or people submit questions to me that I get on like IG that I get on Facebook. I'll just kind of keep track of those and then answer them as they come up. Wow. That's awesome. What a cool opportunity for the listener to be able to experience a live session of coaching that could potentially change their lives and then have other people hear those coaching sessions, I think is so valuable. I love that approach. We had a great one the other day where someone was talking about like that he ended up getting like a testicular cancer. So I was like pushing him straight up towards a keto diet, zero, zero carbs. And then I need to re-interview him because that was, I guess it was, a, it was a while ago now, but he went back to the doctor after several months and he got a clean bill of health, no cancer at all. It, like, and I don't think that, I don't think that keto is hundred percent responsible for it, but I think cutting out carbohydrates in your life is only going to serve you well in that, in that regard. So it was really amazing to, to see this, wow. that he treated his his cancer without chemo, without radiation. That's incredible. He didn't do any of those traditional ways of uh, no chemo, no radiation. 
he had radiation scheduled, but they ended up being like, you don't need it. There's not anything we're seeing. Wow. So yeah. Absolute bananas. That is so cool. What a cool thing to say about something that that you have a hand in and you were brave enough to take over that show that was, again, already run by people who are major names in the low-carbohydrate space. I think it's so cool that you've been able to adapt it to your style and share that with your audience and share those coaching pieces with your audience. Nate Palmer, we always love having you on. It's so great to catch up and chat with you. Where else can people go to find you and connect with you and your work? So check out Low Carb Hustle podcast. If you like Boundless Body, I think you uh, you might like mine. I don't know. If you like this oh, episode, you'll probably like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show. Um, you do a great job with it. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Um, and Low Carb Hustle on Instagram. That's where I post a lot of just silly stuff and random random videos, Low Carb Hustle game shows, that sort of thing. The game show. I um, absolutely love the game show. Yeah. And if you want more information about the carb backloading, you can grab my book for free. Just go to getnatesbook.com and that's that's a place where you can download either the the Kindle version or the PDF. I'll just send it to you in an email. So if you wow. if you want to see like those daily investments, what carb backloading is all about, kind of like the, the method behind the madness, then check that out. Totally up to you. That's amazing. We will link to that in the show notes. That is so generous of you to offer that for free. I know how much work you put into that and how much work you put into sharing this message all over the place, including your podcast. So Nate Palmer, thank you again so very much for everything that you do. And thank you for coming back on our show today. We really appreciate you. Dude, Casey, this is so fun. I'm so, I'm really looking forward to our episode. So I feel like let's do like a part one, a part two, and then maybe we can go like live on Instagram and do a part three. Sounds great, what they want. That sounds great. I, I, yeah, I can't wait for that. It's always an honor to catch up with you and chat with you. And thank you again so very much for being on our show today. We really appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to and supporting Boundless Body Radio. It has been such a joy to go on this journey now that it's been two years of doing these episodes and all the amazing conversations that we've had with thought leaders and to be able to share this message around the world with literally hundreds of thousands of people has been so amazing. If you haven't already, please go over to Apple, leave us a rating and review as it's the best way for the show to continue to grow and touch more lives of people out there. I am so excited to announce that we are launching the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. This is something that I have been working really hard at for a very long time and something I am very proud of. Now that we have done over 300 episodes, our content can be a little bit overwhelming if you really want to learn about one particular topic and really zero in on that topic. So that is exactly what I have done. I have gone through all of our episodes, taken the very best clips all about one particular topic and put them into long-form very informative and concise episodes called the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. That can be found on our brand new Patreon page, which I'm really excited to announce as we have all kinds of different offers there and different tiers. We're including early releases of our show, Boundless Body Radio. We typically keep about 15 to 20 episodes scheduled at any given time. So we have options there where you can have early access to those. We are also offering group and one-on-one coaching and also access to these premium podcast episodes, the Balanced Body Radio Premium Podcast. We have three that are launching right now, and I will be making a new one every other week. And we believe that we are providing these for a very, very high value. So please check us out on Patreon, check the link in the notes to be able to get there. And thank you as always for listening to Boundless Body Radio.